It is Monday, December 26th here at Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to the Week 16 Recap Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Schaff, and back with me is Adam Krauwurst. Adam, I don't know about you, I'm not sure that I was ready for that rockin' intro music to hit this morning, but uh, <laughs> it got me going. Yeah, whenever I hear that music, I honestly, I expect you to say, I'm Matt Schaff, and with me, as always, is Jared Smola. And every time I hear my name, I'm like, wait a minute, we're happy. <laughs> I always wonder too if people like how many people realize that that's kind of a nod back to Wayne's World, which is definitely from my generation. I don't oh, know how there, many people watch that. No, 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 way before me. <laughs> yeah, he was. It was always I'm your excellent host, Wayne Campbell, and with me as always is Garth. So <laughs> definitely not a slight to any co-hosts here, but we're almost through Week 16, which is the second to last fantasy week in most leagues. We've got one game left to go. I know plenty of people are going to be sweating the results of Chargers Colts because there are plenty of fantasy relevant players in that one. I certainly have spots where I'm hoping that nothing big happens uh, from anybody involved. Really, I have a couple teams with nothing left to go, but plenty left to win. Do you have any any week 16 sweats or teams that are fine for now that you're just antsy for week 17 with? Yeah, it's, it's kind of sad. I was you know, prepping for this morning's show. I'm like, man, you know, it's only one week left of uh, like fantasy football for, you know, most fantasy football. Obviously, we got the playoff challenge and stuff that we're excited about. But um, yeah, so I've got, I have a, I have a vintage high stakes sweat where people are like, how do you play in so many leagues and like this? So tonight I, I have to fade. Uh, I don't want 33 from Mike Williams and the Chargers defense in um, a 3K. But in uh, a tournament, I, I'm in the Kentucky uh, tournament. Um, their their main event there. I need Mike Williams to score like as many as possible to keep me alive for that. So it's like twenty, you know, twenty would be fine. Is probably the sweet spot there. You want so it sounds like you want thirty two points from Mike Williams and a zero from the Chargers defense. Exactly. Bingo. <laughs> I think that you might be in a better spot for not wanting too many points. I mean, Mike Williams can obviously go off anytime. He's got a, a challenging matchup with Stefan Gilmore tonight. We'll see exactly how much those two are operating against each other. But yeah, lots lots to watch there. I've got one team in the FFPC best ball playoffs. What I'm, I, I don't know if anybody right behind me has, you know, Mike Williams or Keenan Allen or anything involved in this game. I know that I'm sitting in third place. I got nobody left to go. And the top three advanced to the championship round. So I'm just going to be sitting there with my fingers crossed. And we'll talk about some other teams with things going right or wrong as we get through it. But let's jump to the games. And it was a goofy slate because most of the games were on Saturday. We had a few yesterday, including one especially strange one. Saturday started with the Ravens beating the Falcons 17-9. We got a third straight good game for Drake London. Uh, three of four now since Kyle Pitts went down. Seven catches, 96 yards on nine targets against Baltimore. Third straight game with at least six catches, 70 yards, and nine targets. So it looks like Drake London is somebody that we can use in a positive week 17 matchup with Arizona. And, you know, unlike last week where he got there, despite very small numbers from Desmond Ritter in his debut, Ritter threw for 218, which is not huge, but it's better than 97 yards. Yeah. Uh, it's nice to see uh, him be able to, cause we're not, no one's really got, you know, Ritter going, but London, some people might be sliding him into some some lineups. Nice to see him get involved. Nine targets had some great catches too. Had a nice catch and like triple coverage. Um, London did went up and went up and got it. Kind of showed that that ability that people saw 
coming out of the draft had a couple of, you know, his longest was only, was, was only 20 yards, but he had a hit at a couple of those. So fine, you know, seven for, for, for 96 look, looks good. Nice to see, you know, another kind of rookie receiver coming around here towards the end of the end of the year. Sometimes it takes these guys a half a year to get going. Now it also takes somebody actually throwing you the ball. Right. More in Carolina. We don't need you to be great, Desmond. We just want you to throw it to Drake London. Close your eyes and throw it. (laughs) Throw it to Drake London. That that that's it. So yeah, good, good, good for him. Looks good. These weren't fluky. uh, These weren't fluky fantasy points here. But um, Tyler Algier and another one that's like sitting on these. You know, best ball rod at the bottom of these best ball rods. People like, oh, how did I score so many points? Scroll down. Oh my God, Tyler Algier's alive and, and doing it. You know, four for forty three involved in the passing game. Um, looks pretty good in, in in the running game. Got stopped a couple times inside the five yard line here, or his stat line would have been even even greater. And Pedersen just looks kind of old. He looks kind of old, old and slowish. Um, so I don't see you know there's only one game left really, but I don't see him taking the role back over. And he's a kind of guy to keep an eye on in, in the off season. Yeah, Tyler Algier led in carries again, season high 18 carries after a season high 17 the game before. 74 yards, not a huge day, but he was facing the Ravens. We expected it to be a rough rushing spot, 4.1 yards per carry. I'll take that from Tyler Algier in an offense where you know the run is coming and the defense has been excellent against the, the run. So we have, like I said, with Drake London, we got the Cardinals next week, and that's been a smash matchup. For running back. So Tyler Algier is suddenly somebody that looks like a comfy option for week 17 and an upside option. I mean, this Falcons Cardinals week 17 matchup looked like potentially one of those sneaky good. Obviously that would have been with Kyler Murray in there and it's not at this point, but it's still a, a spot that could give us some fantasy upside to close out seasons. Absolutely. Ravens side, they showed us the limitations of their split backfield. J.K. Dobbins coming off two straight 100-yard games, 12 carries in this one, 59 yards. Now, it's pretty good, 4.9 yards per carry, but it shows you that if he doesn't reach the end zone and if he doesn't break any long runs, then you know it's just going to be a kind of a mad performance that doesn't do a whole lot for you. One target for him. He beat Gus Edwards by one carry. Edwards was the guy who got the yards here, 99 of them on 11 carries and he didn't, he had a 37 yard run. It's not like he broke a 60 yarder to power that. So I think the takeaway from these guys is you can't be excited about either one. Either can be an option against Pittsburgh in week 17 for deeper leagues. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it just stinks that, you know, 30, 34 carries right between, between three guys and no one was really even able, able to get there on, on the rushing, right. You know, Gus Edwards had 99 yards, but that's less than, you know, less than 10 points, no touchdowns. Dobbins didn't, you know, Dobbins didn't look bad, you know, averaged, averaged five yards of carry and looked, looked fine. Looked like he normally did. Just like you said, didn't snap that, that long one, only along of, of 14, but this is what we're kind of afraid of uh, at all points during the year with this backfield is it's kind of been kind of a mixed bag. And unless you snap off a 60 yard, which Dobbins has been doing um, if, if, if you don't score, you're, you're in big trouble. So, I mean, this is just an offense to, to, to avoid Huntley only had 17 passing attempts. Andrews three, three catches had a nice catch on a, on a, on a corner route, but you know, other than that, it was a 36 yard gain. Like it's, you know, there's no end zone targets there. There's just no offense for the, for this team. So, uh, but the, again, the Ravens find themselves in the win column again, sending it to 10 and five, but yeah, Andrews has been a real, a real dud down the stretch. Yeah. We're gonna have to see this week. If Lamar Jackson's going to be ready to play on his injured knee in four Tyler Huntley games this season, Mark Andrews is averaging 6.3 targets, three catches, 
36 and a half yards, a 48% catch rate, 5.8 yards per target. You, if it's Tyler Huntley again, you definitely need to downgrade Mark Andrews. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and I don't even know if they need to play. I mean, with, you know, with, with Miami losing and if the Chargers lose tonight, I mean, they might be a lock for, for, for the playoffs and all that. So they might not even have to play, play Lamar. Yeah, they're in the playoffs, and there's only one bye. So, I mean, there's still home field advantage up for grabs here, but that should definitely be factoring into their decision on whether to play Lamar Jackson this week. So we'll certainly be keeping an eye on that as the week progresses. Panthers 37, Lions 23. This is goofy. I mean, I I wish that we could just know whether we can use Panthers players or not because there's a week where you're like, oh, yeah, the the backfield did a whole lot last week. This matchup's pretty good. I'm going to use them. Then you use them. It's like, oh, yeah, the Panthers suck. And then you're like, okay, now I'm not going to trust those guys this week. And it's like, oh, okay, they're going to run the ball a lot and everybody's going to produce. Deontay Foreman, 21 for 165 and a touchdown. Chuba Hubbard, 12 for 125. Even Raheem Blackshear scored a touchdown again. And these lion, this Lions defense that had been challenging against the run was an absolute doormat. Not even just a doormat. It was like one of those walk, one of those moving sidewalks at the airport. You step <laughs> on it, it'll get you your place right. faster. Yeah, and that thing was cranked up to 10, that that walking sidewalk. I mean, it was they were like about to set a record for rushing in like the first quarter of a football game. Every carry was for 15 yards. It was it was crazy, crazy to watch. So uh it's not even like Foreman and Hubbard are like great running backs either. So it's just which is wild. But yeah, they they ran all, all over the Lions, you know. Um Darnold still only ended up with 22 passing attempts because they didn't they didn't have to throw the ball. 22 passing attempts, 37 points. Gotta love it if you started Foreman or even you know, there's a one where I, in a 5K, I had I have both Washington running backs against the the Niners' best run defense, and I'm like, you know what? Should I just throw Chuba Chuba Hubbard in there for one of those guys? I'm like, ah, I can't do it. And of course, oh. Hubbard goes goes bananas. But but at yeah, at least he didn't find the end zone. Right? Yeah, yeah. That that's fine. And the and the and the Washington almost did find the end zone with the running backs. Four carries inside the well. We'll get to that game. But four <laughs> carries inside the five, and they couldn't get in. But um. But yeah, no, they they look good. They want they want to run the ball here. Even, even DJ Moore got, got involved. DJ Moore scores too. Fantastic. Uh, he started really slow in this game because they weren't they weren't throwing the ball. Ends up ends up getting there five for eighty three and a score. He looks awesome. It's gonna I'm gonna be so interested to see the route this team takes in the in the off season with the quarterback position because it, I love DJ Moore. He was going in the third round a lot this year is where he was going. So I'm interested to see where he goes next year what the quarterback situation's like and all that. So, uh, but yeah, uh, more ended up getting there for those of you who started him. He might be an early value if you're drafting right after the season ends in best ball, because people are going to be waiting to see what the quarterback situation yeah. is in Carolina. In this game, as you mentioned, 32% targets for DJ Moore, 33% catches, 33% yards, got the only touchdown catch among Panthers. That's really all we need. We're not looking for high volume. They all get the Bucks in Week 17. It's not a ceiling matchup for anybody, but it should be a fine spot for DJ Moore. And the Bucks really haven't been that tough on running backs. They have limited touchdowns, but running backs came into this week averaging 4.4 yards per carry. The Panthers had a good rushing day in that first meeting against the Bucks, where they had a surprising victory. It would be less surprising now because the Bucks are playing like doo-doo most of the time. So I think both, uh, not both, you can use this Panthers backfield it's definitely not going to be a must-use backfield, but we'll see exactly where they settle out in the Week 17 rankings. The Lions' backfield, absolutely silent in this game, and it's going to be easier 
to not use DeAndre Swift in week 17, although they've got a matchup with the Bears coming up that will help everybody. Jared Goff, I'm looking at him and I see light shining off of his name because I have a team leading a drafters tournament right now where I have Jalen Hurts and Justin Fields as the top two quarterbacks and then Jared Goff as my third quarterback. So that team would have been in trouble this week without Goff's 355 yards and three Shane Zilstra strikes in the end zone. (laughs) Zane, welcome to 2022 fantasy football, Zilstra. Like another, how many teams advanced on on the back of of Zilstra this week? Hopefully nobody. Nobody. (laughs) But we all, I mean, we all should have seen this backdoor revenge game coming. The Panthers had Brandon Zilstra. They did not keep him around. So here comes brother Shane to say, I'm going to make you guys pay, even though my team's losing. Listen, I listened to the preview pod last week. Okay. And you guys did not mention the Zilstra revenge game. Okay. Uh, but yeah, golf back to golf. I have a, uh, you know, I have a lot of Jared Goff best ball. I have a lot of Jared Goff, uh, in my high stakes too. He was just kind of one of those second QBs. Uh, he's been better than expected. He's been really, really good. 355 yards, three touchdowns, you know, people are thinking, Oh, he's a bridge. He's a bridge quarterback. I mean, they're, they're, they're going to win. You know, they got two games left. They've already have seven wins. They're not going to have a top three pick. They're probably not going to have a top five pick. So he's going to be there next year, and they have weapons. So Goff looks comfortable in the offense. When you have an elite offensive line, too, where you can just sit there and pick teams apart uh, with those nice weapons, it's it's, it's really, really good. Shark was that was the big guy this week kind of in the, in the yardage category. But I'm on Roth, 13 targets. They just – they love uh, – Jared Goff loves peppering. I'm on Rob, but yeah, the run game, huge, huge issue. So now that I'm narrowing down all my teams, I haven't cared about Swift all years from like a personal perspective, but now I, I, I have a, I have a $750 tri Roto Viz triflex over at FFPC dynasty league, uh, best ball. And, and uh, Swift is my number one running back. And the guy just can't, I just, my, my team stacked, my running back stink and Deandre Swift just can't do anything ever Four carries, you know, um, wasn't really involved in the passing game at all. Uh, so it's, I, I don't know, I don't know what they're doing. I don't know if he rolled his eyes at the coach uh, during, during a practice, but you know, it's just, it's it, it, Jamal Williams is getting all the, all the carries inside the five, you know, he had a touchdown call back last week. Jamal Williams did. They just, they, they want him around the goal line. So I, I, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. More importantly, though, we've got that matchup that I mentioned with the Bears in week 17. So it's a good spot for everybody. So at least if you have close calls between, you know, one of those Lions players and somebody else, it's going to be a Lions boosting matchup. I wouldn't get excited still about Jamal Williams or DeAndre Swift, but it's at least a spot with hope. And can I say this time of year, I especially like best ball where I don't have to decide who to put in that championship, (laughs) that championship lineup. I just have to, you know, hope that the guys score for me. Yeah, no, yeah, exactly. And, and, and Swift's a guy, you just got to cross your fingers and hope that, it, that he scores for you. Bills 35, Bears 13. Not a great first half for Buffalo in this one, but they did turn it on late. We got an especially big day for Devin Singletary. Big game for the backfield overall. 12 carries for Singletary, 106 and a touchdown from distance. Two catches for 19 yards. He's sixth among PPR running backs in scoring this week, heading into the Monday night game. And the Bills have actually 
been much closer to a balanced offense in recent weeks for the season, according to our numbers from Timmy Hernandez in a free article right now on DraftSharks.com. The Bills are still third highest in pass rate over expected for the entire season, but they're just 10th in that category over the past four weeks. So they've been much more willing to hand the ball off. And that's interesting to note heading into a week 17 matchup with Cincinnati. Yeah, I I don't know if I would look too much into that. They've also, I mean, I haven't seen numbers for this and I'm a rabid Bills fan. I don't know if anybody knew, knew that, but um, they they play in the worst weather every, like the last two years, the weather that they've played in is got to be the, the, the worst. They have, they have mo- games moved from Buffalo out of state. They had, then, then they go to Chicago. The, the weather they played in, now you couldn't tell because there wasn't snow on the field, but people would die walking to their mailbox <laughs> in that weather. To negative 10 degrees with 30 degree wind, wind chills. I'm sorry, with guts of 30 miles an hour, you can't throw in that. You know, even even Josh Allen still managed to get there with 200 passing yards or, or so, a couple passing touchdowns. But they, they've been running the ball the last couple of weeks because they've kind of been forced to with this horrible weather. Now, what's been what was great to see in Chicago is Chicago still stuck with that shell shell defense, and there were they, the Bills were gashing them. I mean, there were there were holes at, at everywhere uh, because the, just the Bears defense isn't is, isn't that good. So they can't play that shell and and stop the runs. It was nice to see Singletary get going, Cook get get going. Um, also, both of them had great games. Both of them scored, but a lot of that was due to the offensive line. I mean, they had their the holes were were gigantic. So I don't know. All that to say, hopefully we get a shootout, Bills, Bengals. If the if the, we can get some decent weather, I think the Bills will kind of go back to passing it a little bit more. And Josh Allen's had a, had a sprained elbow for six weeks or so, so I think they want to throw more. And I think if they get the opportunity, they, they will. Yeah, the Bengals have not been consistently strong against either the pass or the run on defense, so I wouldn't look at it as a matchup that favors one way or the other. Opponents have rushed overexpected for the season against the Bengals, but that's been more balanced over the past four weeks. So Bills will do, will handle things the way that they want to. We'll see what game flow says about it. But I mean, it, it at least means that Devin Singletary is an option. James Cook is a deeper option. I would look to Singletary first, but it, it's at least a running game that we're more interested in now than we were, you know, a month and a half ago. Yep. Saints. Well, actually, I mean, we got the bears in this one. I don't really think there's anything to talk about on the bears side of this game. <laughs> no, no, but I'd like to take my bears time to talk about like, where is Stefan Diggs? The guy speaking of not passing the ball. I mean, him and Devante Adams, and I keep bringing them up together because I have so many teams where I started Diggs Adams and just died at the end of the year while the Zilstra teams get through to the night to, to the next round. Like that, that's another, he, I mean, Diggs has been the biggest, like Allen hasn't thrown, but he always gets there every weekend. is rushing his rushing touchdowns. Diggs has just been dead for th- for three weeks. So, and there hasn't been complaints out of Buffalo because they're winning, but if he doesn't, if the weather's decent in Cincinnati, expect him to have an explosive game because they, you know, they haven't targeted him at all in the last, in the last three weeks. Yeah, it's killer. I mean, they had the matchup with the Jets, which you knew would be challenging. They had Miami in the snow, um, yeah. which was okay. Nine targets, but five for 60. And then two targets, caught them both at least for 26 yards. But, you know, some weather, some matchup, and not a whole lot you can do except continue playing Stefan Diggs. Brutal. Saints 17, Browns 10, no healthy Saints wide receivers. So we got decent games from both Taysom Hill and Alvin Kamara. Kamara, of course, got there on volume. 20 carries, 76 yards, rushing touchdown. That's just 3.8 yards per carry. And what's a, been a weak rushing matchup against Cleveland all season. So I, I think Kamara is much closer to done than he is to not done 
but we're at least seeing good rushing volume. Would like to see a lot more receiving volume, but that hasn't been there. And it's going to be tougher to get there when Andy Dalton's throwing 15 passes. Right, exactly. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing you just said during the game. Uh, like Kamara just looks, you know, toast kind of. But, you know, the weather was really bad. Again, there's another bad weather game where teams can kind of stack the box when you've got no receivers and no quarterback. Uh, you can kind of stack the box against Kamara. I think that's what happened. Uh, and the box score still gets there with the with, with the touchdown. And there's also points where like, Kamara hasn't scored for like two months. So it's like it's nice to see. Like, I don't care how we got in, like felt whatever. Like it was a goal line plunge. Fine. Great. You know, Taysom Hill got, got got there too in the in the, the rushing uh, the rushing category, but yeah, I mean, we'll take what we can get with Alvin Kamara at, at this point. Like you said, it would be nice, better to have him in the passing game. Four targets is is fine, but when you only catch fifty percent of them, he did get thirty four yards, so he does look fine in the op- open spaces. Balance and vision is still there, but I think you know he's getting he's getting older. Give me twenty eight, twenty nine next year, so. Um, yeah, it's at least they have something to, to, to play for here. I mean, they're still playing for, for a division title at six and nine, which is incredible. <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> uh, on the Brown side, Nick Chubb, 24 carries, got to 92 yards, but no touchdown, 3.8 yards per carry in this one. And he has really not been very good since the team's week nine by through the first eight games this season, 18.6 carries per game. yards, 1.3 touchdowns per game over that span, 5.6 yards per rush. Since the week nine bye, still 18.1 carries per game, so the work's there, but 71.9 yards, so more than 30 yards down in per game average, 0.3 touchdowns. He's got two total rushing scores in the past seven games, 3.96 yards per rush, so that's a dip by about 1.7 yards per carry. There's issues all over the place. The offense isn't good. The offensive line has been banged up. Nick Chubb hasn't been as good. They got Washington in week 17. I don't think Nick Chubb looks like more than a mid to low RB2 for that game. Yeah. Yeah. And at this point, a lot of times the rankings, I don't want to say they don't, they don't matter because the projections obviously matter, but it's like, you're not, unless you've got three or four running backs, you're not benching Chubb, but you like to look at the line and say, oh, I can get 20 or 30 from this guy. Like you said, it's just not happening. Not involved in the passing game, one target. You know, again, it's a situation where, so I like to avoid a lot of running backs that are run only, you know, guys that are by the end of the year, if they're, even if they're still healthy, they're banged up, they're slower, they're, you know, it's just, it's just how, how it happens years and years of this, of the, the abuse, Uh, you know, the saints are a, are a um, middle of the pack run defense. Like they're, they, they're, they're not difficult. They're not easy. So we knew it wasn't going to be necessarily easy, but yeah, you'd like to see on 24 touches from, from Chubb to average more than 3.8 yards per carry there. But, you know, again, bad weather game, uh 17, 10 final low, low over under in that game. I mean, you'd like, he, he needs to fall in, into the end zone there. Yeah. I mean, then I guess maybe the takeaway for drafting going forward is this is why maybe in that round two range where Chubb was going, you lean towards somebody like Aaron Jones, somebody like Joe Mixon, maybe somebody like James Conner, who has multiple paths to get there as opposed to they need to get there on the ground or they're not getting there. Cause it's, you know, not only is the, the work tougher to count on because you're not getting receptions, but it's easier for, a dinged up player to be limited. You know, if you, you can be dinged up as a running back and not have an efficient rushing day, but still get seven targets and then you can get there in PPR scoring. So, you know, Nick Chubb is somebody that we were a little wary of at draft position heading in. 
kind of showing why at this point. Sean Watson threw for 135 yards in this game. You know, you mentioned the conditions, not a great one for passing. We expected that going in. He did throw 31 passes, just completed 15. It's a passing game to try not to rely on if you can help it. Yeah. Again, a bad, bad weather game, but Watson did didn't look great. He does get there rushing wise, which is which which was great for the for the fantasy owners there. But yeah, it was just a tough one. Cooper does get the, his his ten targets. Uh, Donovan Peoples Jones had a, a toe tap touchdown that was ruled incomplete there, which would have maybe kind of saved his day. But yeah, the passing game was was tough to uh, to, to to trust here. And kind of go back to your point with the, with the running backs and when you're drafting them and how the, how they can get there. Yeah, Nick, Nick Chubb. And Derrick Henry's caught the ball a little bit more this year, which has definitely helped him. But like you look at a guy like Leonard Fournette last night, he stinks, but he got 10 target, nine catches for 90 yards, just check down, check down, check over and over. It's like, oh my gosh, like he's not even doing anything. And he's just, and he has a monster game, doesn't score because of the, because of those targets. So like we've like, look, we'll say, you'll hear us say this all off season that next year targets are worth three times more than more than carries. So that is uh, that. That's a good point. Chiefs twenty-four, Seahawks ten, and yet another cold weather game. A fourth straight game with at least one touchdown for Jarek McKinnon. Now he did get just three targets, five carries in this one, thirty-eight total yards. So make sure that you don't look at it and say another touchdown for Jarek McKinnon. Definitely in my week seventeen lineup. He very well might be. He'll probably still be in starter territory in PPR. I would be playing Jarek McKinnon over Nick Chubb for week seventeen. But just be aware of the week 16 usage as you're projecting him forward. Now they get Denver in week 17. He had a huge receiving performance in the first meeting with Denver. About half of his yardage came on that flip from Patrick Mahomes that then went for 56 yards and a touchdown, but he still had, I think seven other catches in that game topped hundred receiving overall. Yeah. And here, here we are again, right? We're looking at the, We'll watch the game, look at the statue. It's Travis Kelsey at the top, like it is every week. And then it's running back, running back, just like it was last week with, with the yardage. Now, Juju had some more catches last week and some more targets, but it's always Pacheco and McKinnon involved in this passing game. Now, that's that's what they're doing. They lose, they, they, they lose Tyreek Hill, and now it's just little checkdowns and little screens to, to, to the running backs, and they're killing people with it. So, you know, Pacheco, one catch for 32 yards. McKinnon, three for th- 31, uh, heavily involved there. Um, so, you know, that's kind of bad men. Their offense, Kelsey, six for 113, doesn't quite get in the end zone. I don't think he's been in the end zone. I'm not complaining about Kelsey's performances because he's been getting there on the catches in the yards, but I don't think he's been in the end zone for like a month. So I think he might be due next week for a big, for a big touchdown, for a big touchdown week. So, but yeah, this, uh, this offense, you want kind of all the, all the pieces here. Most of them usually get there. Juju did not get there this, this week, but, uh, but everybody else pretty much did. You're correct, by the way. That's two straight 100-yard games for Kelsey, but he has not scored a touchdown in his past four. Come on, Travis. Let's go. This was a limited offensive game overall. We had just 224 passing yards for Patrick Mahomes, 215 for Geno Smith on 40 attempts. I'm sure that the cold factored in here. Also kind of weird for Seattle to run the ball as much as they were trailing by that much. But I guess if the passing game is not really working, then you don't have much choice. Kenneth Walker, speaking of which, was questionable for the game after no practices last week, but still carried 26 times for 107 yards. Seahawks are back home for the Jets in week 17. Not a ceiling matchup for anyone. I would imagine Kenneth Walker will land inside our top 20, but it's it's definitely not a spot where you're going to be excited about any Seahawks. Yeah, tough, tough defensive uh, matchup next week. But yeah, Walker was there. You know, people were uh, questionable. Is, is he going to play? It was just a, a case of them. And I, I wish teams would do this more. I mean, it's scary 
especially it's also scary when you've got games on like four separate days. So you got to figure out when to start guys. And you got a running back that doesn't practice all week. It's questionable. They should do that more often. Like how much do running backs have to practice? Like once they know the offense, do they got to be out there getting, I know they're not really hitting, but do they got to be out there running around? Just let them rest. These guys go through car accidents every single week. When they're when when they're playing out there, but he gets out there twenty six for one one oh seven again looked good look, looked fine. I'd love to see a guy like Walker, which we saw earlier in the year, but I'd love to see him get more involved in the passing game. Had two targets, fine, two catches, but negative two yards. I'd love to see them get, especially with Tyler Lockett out. He'll probably Lockett will probably miss this week, uh, but he might be back. They were saying he might be back for the end end of the year, but but yeah, Walker looked good. Didn't necessarily even get you there because you didn't get that touchdown. You didn't really get those receptions. But uh, 12 and a half fantasy points, I guess you can't really complain from a guy you didn't even know was going to play. Yeah. And they did at least tell us that he was expected to play ahead of time. So we had that. It was an early Saturday kick. So, you know, there was time to know that you had Walker available. Certainly anybody's guess just how effective he was going to be. And it's not like he was super efficient. But if you're going to get 26 carries, you're going to normally do all right on rushing yardage. Vikings 27, Giants 24, another huge passing volume game for Kirk Cousins. 48 attempts in this one. We had 16 targets apiece for Justin Jefferson and TJ Hawkinson this time, not KJ Osborne's turn. Both of those guys got over 100 yards. They claimed the three touchdowns from Cousins, two of those for TJ Hawkinson. So Cousins is just a, a fairly comfy bet right now. Green Bay in week 17, nothing scary. We'll see what the weather says for that game. Yeah, I mean, the Vikings have been, uh, you know, a fantasy football masterpiece the last, the last two weeks for all those for all those guys. It's good to see. That's, this is what happens when you get to play games in decent weather inside of a dome or whatever. It's it's nice that everybody can get can get cooking. Hawkinson, 13 for 109 and 2. I think he's only had, like, two good games all season, and those two games are going to put him in, like, the top three of the tight end scoring for the year. He had another, he had a, another monster game probably six weeks ago. Uh, where he went to Seattle even, at one point. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Where he went for more, more than this, but um, this will be kind of be interesting to see where he's, you can kind of see where my mind's at, man. I'm already thinking towards next year. It'll be interesting to see where he's going to be going in some of these tight end premium drafts. I probably won't have much of him because it'll probably be Kelsey or nothing for next for, for next year. Kelsey or next year's Evan Ingram for, for me, but, but yeah, Jefferson gets there. Jefferson looks awesome. He's, probably the number one pick in fantasy drafts next year. And he always gets cousins there, 300 yards, three touchdowns. You know, it's been so good. The Vikings team as a whole, though, they get a, what, a 61 yard field goal. I mean, this team, this team could lose their first playoff game by 70 points because they just <laughs> all their bad luck or all their good luck runs out. But Hey, the, 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 the fantasy gods are with, are with this team for, for sure. Yeah, I've got a preseason ticket for Justin Jefferson leading the league and receiving yards that I'm uh, watching till the end. But nice. that's, that's a comfy one. There you go. Um, Giants side of this one, 42 pass attempts were the second most of the season for Daniel Jones. 71% completions, 334 yards, just one touchdown, one interception, kind of stuff we've come to expect from Daniel Jones. Just 34 yards rushing too, but only four carries. 10 targets apiece for Richie James, Isaiah Hodgins, and Saquon Barkley. I knew one of those guys coming into the season. That's right. So nice to see. And kind of what you were saying, uh, second round running backs that have that potential pass catching upside instead of a guy like Nick Chubb. There you go. I mean, Saquon Barkley, eight catches, 49 yards. 
Uh, we love we love to see that. Also, 84 yards and a touchdown. Almost had another long touchdown. Kind of got tri- tripped up in the middle of the field, but good to see him get get going in this game. Um, have have a lot of shares of him down the stretch. Daniel Jones has been has been great too. I mean, he wasn't good le- last week, but every other week he's been good enough where you took him as like QB, you know, eighteen, and he's been he's been startable for you for sure. Three hundred thirty four yards and a, and, a, and a touchdown throwing to absolute nobodies. And speaking of a bridge quarterback, again, they're not going to have a top top five pick, but he's looking like you put some. I mean, they got to be one of the. T- offenses have the least amount of skill guys. I mean, outside of Saquon Barkley, they have nothing. But Daniel Jones, week in and week out, is is around a, a top twelve fantasy quarterback option. He's got no contract for next year too because they declined no. his fifth year option. So we'll see what the Giants do. We'll see what Daniel Jones does. And just in case you're a first time listener, I was kidding. I did hear of Richie James and Isaiah Hodgins coming <laughs> as well. The Giants are back home for Indy in Week 17. I'm glad that Saquon Barkley rebounded from the neck thing and some inefficiency to at least be a guy that we know is going to get there um, most likely every week, and he'll certainly be high in our rankings for Week 17 as well. Richie James, Isaiah Hodgins will still be a couple of those guys where it's like if you're looking in deep wide receiver three range into wide receiver four for a PPR flex, they're guys that could work out. They are, they just as easily could not, you know, maybe we get the targets going to Darius Slayton and Daniel Bellinger next week instead. So, you know, they certainly can be in play. Just make sure you don't overrate the, just because they had the bigger PPR games this week. Yeah. It's been tough. Cause you just don't know which one, which one to start, right? Slayton, Slayton, Hodgins, James. I mean, you just never know. It, it could be, you know, it's generally the guy that went off one week is going to be the guy that doesn't go off the next week. So it's kind of, it's kind of tough to play that game, but. And we um, knew this was going to be a boom volume spot too. Correct. At least likely to be. Yeah. Bengals 22 Patriots 18. Clearly Cincinnati came into this game planning to lean past. We had 52 attempts from Joe Burrow in a game that they controlled most of the way. New England's tougher on the run than the pass, So it makes sense. I would not be surprised Adam, if we get a similar approach from these Bengals against the Bills on Monday night. The Bills do rate tough in both pass and run defense for the season. So, you know, you could interpret it either way. I think the Bengals look at that one, though, and say they have more mismatches with their wide receivers against the Bills secondary. Yeah, that's going to be that. Well, that listen, that's the game that everyone was stacking in the preseason best ball, man. Bills, Bengals. Hopefully, we get some decent weather so we can really get a, get a shootout. That that should be a great a great game, man. I was rooting for the, for the Patriots too here to win. They almost lucked out and got this win, which would have been huge for the Bills for the for the first round bye. But the Bengals end up pulling it out. Burrow, fifty two pass attempts, like like you said, three hundred seventy five yards with all those weapons. Does throw a, a really bad pick six towards the end of the game to kind of keep this one this one close, but. You know, like so many weapons, Higgins, Chase, Irwin. Speaking of guys I never heard of before this season, this guy, Irwin, uh, you know, two more touchdowns for him. Like Tyler Boyd owners are just pounding the table right now. So how about Jamar Chase owners? Oh, sure. Or that. Right. Right. Exactly. Eight for 79 for, for Chase on 11 targets. No, uh, I, I, I'm more of a T Higgins guy this time of year. I got a lot of T Higgins teams left, but, uh, he ends up getting there too, man. He's so, he's so good, but yeah, I mean, everybody gets there. Mixon doesn't score. It doesn't really look that good, but again, on nine targets, he's, he's going to get there. I expect the stat line similar to this, uh, next week against the, the bills. We're kind of unlucky to only get 22 points. The Bengals were in this game. 
I think Trenton Irwin with his production uh, in the second half of the season has added a middle name that starts with F for a lot of fantasy <laughs> players. Joe Mixon, like you said, it's not necessarily bad for him. A lot of running backs would be like, oh, I don't know. The team is leaning pass right now. But Joe Mixon got 16 carries in this one, got nine targets, tied for second on the team in that one, even with four targets going to Samaje Pirine. So been pretty safe workload wise, regardless of what the Bengals do. Yep. And the Patriots offense is really barely worth talking about. Damian Harris did return for this game, right? No, I don't think he did. Was it Kevin Harris was out there? I don't think Damian Harris played, did he? I don't know. I just realized that I forgot. No, I guess Damian Harris was not back for this game. So Montre Stevenson led the backfield, did not do much of anything. It was just a, a, it was a day that makes you remember again that the Patriots just aren't very good on offense right now. And he had a chance to score there at the end and save his day. And he fumbled it away. I'm wondering because we're getting questions already in the chat. Like, Hey, do I, do I start Stevenson next week? I lean, I lean, I, I lean. Yes, absolutely. But this is the second game in a row. So he fumbles this one. And the week before when they had that fiasco against the Raiders, the first person to pitch that ball was Ramondre Stevenson. So like Belichick might be like, you know what? I'm done. This guy is enough. You know, we get, we get uh, Harris back next week. Maybe, maybe Harris gets the, gets the 20 touches. We'll see. But yeah, dis- disappointing week that the Patriots stink. I mean, we know how much Bill Belichick hates fumbles too. And that, that was one of two fumbles for Stevenson in this game. So I really, if Damian Harris is back next week, that's at least potentially extra fuel for new England to shift some work to Damian Harris after Stevenson, you know, literally fumbled away the chance to win this game. Yes. On to Texans Titans. Speaking of fumbling away, how does Tennessee even have Malik Willis starting football games right now for a team that is still in playoff contention? He was 14 of 23 in this one, 99 yards, two interceptions, four sacks, 4.3 yards per pass attempt, seven per completion. We had no Titans player exceed 30 receiving yards. I mean, he's just not, maybe at some point he's an NFL quarterback right now. He's not. Yeah. Yeah. And he was part of that. I can't remember who the other quarterbacks were, but weren't there was like three quarterbacks this week where their over under yardage total was like the, the three lowest that they've, that there's ever been. And they were all in the same week this year. And Malik was one of those like 120 passing yards for the over under for a game. Yeah. He's not an NFL NFL quarterback. He's not, he's not ready, but I mean, I don't know who you can blame. I mean, the start, the st- starters out, you can't really blame Malik Willis. I mean, he's just not right. The Titans were being this late in the season and not having another option. Josh Dobbs, come on. Right. Yeah. No, I know. And especially when you got, you know, Brock Purdy's out there slinging it. Now, now granted, again, he's got, you know, probably the second easiest quarterback job in the, in the NFL on the, on the Niners. But, but yeah, you know, Malik Willis, not much to say here. I mean, he does get 43 rushing yards and a touchdown. So, you know, maybe he f- slid into a best ball lineup with, you know, 16, 17 fantasy points. But yeah, I mean, it, the whole offense is being dragged down by obviously the, the incompetence of the quarterback position. So you can't really, uh, you can't really start anybody as much as much as you want to. Yeah. No monster game for Derrick Henry in this one, but he at least, you know, got well over hundred again, helped himself with a 48 yard touchdown run in this one. They get Dallas on Thursday night in week 17. You would love to not have the quick turnaround for the sake of the running back, but obviously Derrick Henry is going to be in all lineups on the Houston side. We got Brandon cooks back. He got nine targets in this game, five more than any other Houston player caught only four of them for 34 yards and the team's only touchdown. I think cooks is okay as a PPR option for week 17, I would imagine he'll land somewhere south of wide receiver 30 in our wide receiver rankings for the week. 
Yeah, nine targets for uh scores a touchdown. Does have another touchdown called back, a really nice touchdown catch, kind of a jump ball on the on the far side of the end zone. But yeah, nice to see him get get going there a, a little bit. Could like I said, could have had a much bigger game. But yeah, again, it's tough. And the Titans have a tough tough defense. I think he's fine as a as a wide receiver three going forward. I mean, he looked he he looked good at when they you know, these weren't fluky things. Uh, but again, when you've got the quarterback situation that that the Texans have, it's just hard to to have a kind of a reliable receiver there. And uh, Chris Moore, it was nice knowing you. 49ers <laughs> 37, Commanders 20 via ESPN's Field Yates, Adam. I learned this. The full list of quarterbacks since 1950 with passer ratings of 100 plus and at least two touchdown passes in each of their first three NFL starts is Dan Marino and Brock Purdy. Purdy. Love me, love me some Brock Purdy. Listen, we just love Brock Purdy because he he gets the the offense stays going right. Everyone can kind of get their stuff. Kittle go go goes crazy. Ayuk, you know, Ayuk doesn't score, but he gets five for eighty one. It doesn't it doesn't kill you. Um, I think kind of the biggest disappointment here was was Christian McCaffrey not having like a blow up game here, which people were kind of needing. Ray Ray McLeod. I mean, you when, when you lose an entire drive of fantasy points to Ray Ray McLeod, one play, a seventy-one yard touchdown. Like, oh, you know how many catches we could have had on that drive from somebody else. Uh, but uh, great, great play call, end around. You know, um, looked look, looked explosive, good for him. But uh, but yeah, Purdy uh, able to fill in for a lot of those teams that that lost quarterbacks to injury. He's 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 been fine. Why can't Ray Ray McLeod be a little bit more generous and slide inside the five yard line and realize that's supposed to be a McCaffrey touchdown? I know. I know. Jerk. Another two scores for George Kittle. Like you mentioned, Brandon, Ayuk did much better on targets. Seven of those caught five for 81, just two targets for McCaffrey. So we knew it was going to be a tough rushing spot. We would have expected a little bit more on the receiving front, but you know, that's what happens. At least he scored on the Washington side. Jahan Dotson beat Terry McLaurin by four targets in this game a week after tying him for the lead. So that's worrisome for McLaurin. The QB situation is worrisome for McLaurin. Jahan Dotson is suddenly in view. I mean, I'll, I'm not even sure where to place him for a week 17 meeting with Cleveland, which doesn't scare you for anything on offense. But we also don't know who the quarterback's going to be yet. Through the early part of this season, having Carson Wentz in the lineup was good for Jahan Dotson, was negative for the target share for McLaurin. So I would say if they go to Wentz, we have to at least downgrade McLaurin slightly for week 17. For sure. You know, and again, this is a team where we don't have like good to great quarterback play. When you've got a team that's deep with, with, with weapons, it's hard to really pinpoint who's going to do well, unless there's like a special rapport with someone, which neither Heineke nor once had. I mean, Heineke definitely leans more towards McLaurin, but yeah, I mean, you Dodson, Samuel, Terry, Terry McLaurin, when you got three options that look like that, it's going to be tough to get all of them going when you don't have elite quarterback play. Um, like the Bengals do or something like that. So, uh, yeah, downgrade to Terry McLaurin. Dodson, again, the guy just scores. He's been – he's hurt been hurt a bunch this year, but when he's not hurt, he just scores touchdowns. Uh, Curtis Samuel gets involved too, you know, in the in the rushing game, in the passing game. He only had one attempt this week, but he had five the week, week before, so you never know what you're going to get out, out of him. So it's going to kind of be tough to figure out kind of what, what receivers that you, that you want to start here, but – yeah, like I said earlier about the the commanders running game. I mean, they they want to run it, 
and the Niners defense was just not letting them go anywhere. 22 carries for Robinson for 58 yards. I mean, that's about as bad, bad as it gets. And it wasn't on Robinson. I mean, they're just, they're, you know, they're just dead, no holes, nowhere to go. They did get inside the five yard line. I would have loved to have seen Robinson or Gibson got the last carry there to get, get in, but just the, the, the penetration from the D tackles and the Niners was just too much. Yeah, predictably bad rushing spot against San Francisco. Right. So we we had both of those guys well outside of our top 24 for the week. Much yeah. better spot against Cleveland for them. So you bet on that volume. And I think Brian Robinson makes for a pretty sturdy option week 17. I would most likely be starting yes. him over Nick Chubb in my week 17 lineups. Yeah, they got Cleveland, right? Is that, yep. is that yeah, I mean, that's that, that that's it. You kind of got to uh, go back to them because uh, they, you know, the this week was, like you said, predictably bad. But um, but the the Browns rushing defense is, is not good. Mm-hmm. On to Cowboys 40, Eagles 34. Two late fumbles by Eagles running backs served this game up to Dallas, but it was a, a close one throughout. Gardner Minshew proved plenty capable, got A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith over 100 yards, completed a long one to Dallas Goddard, who only had three catches, but I think he got to 67 yards in this game. So we'll see if Jalen Hurts is back. I would like to see them, like from a real-life standpoint, I think it would make more sense to not play Jalen Hurts against the Saints. We still have an Eagles team that only needs one more win or one loss by the Niners to get the top seed in the NFC. So, you know, you don't want to count on winning one of the next two. Like, just think that it's, you know, take it for granted is what I'm looking for, I guess. But the Gardner Minshew Eagles are going to be significant favorites, I think, at home against the Saints this week. Yeah, I I completely agree with that. At home against the Saints. I mean, Minshew is a a starting quarterback in, in, in this league. He's been a starter before, you know, he's better than probably six or seven guys that are starting, starting now. So with the roster that the Eagles have, they should wipe the floor with the saints. So yeah, I mean, if, if, if Hertz needs, needs another week, I would definitely sit him from a, from an NFL standpoint. And listen, Minshew's able to get the, like you said, get the ball to the weapons, AJ Brown, big game, Devonta Smith, big game. Goddard looked better with three for three on targets in catches. Um, Miles Sanders did, did, didn't look great, you know, 21 for 65, got caught behind the line of scrimmage a lot. Um, some fumbles here too, but Minshew gets in, obviously, of course, we're running the ball. Well, what, well, what a game for Gardner Minshew to come in and save Hertz owners. Uh, I wish I could have blocked more people from getting him. I just rented a fam at the end of the year, but, uh, but yeah, no good, good game for him able to, to, to distribute. Inefficient game for Zeke Elliott, but he got plenty of work. He got a touchdown again, so he's sticking in lineups. Tony Pollard, not much on the ground, but got to uh, 61 yards receiving on six catches. Big game for CeeDee Lamb. Big game for Dak Prescott, so you like to see those two things. Dak Prescott, 347 and three touchdowns despite taking six sacks in this game. So uh, it's going to be a pass-funneling matchup against Tennessee on Thursday night, so I would feel pretty good about either Prescott. Obviously, CeeDee Lamb is in lineups. We got a touchdown for Michael Gallup in this game. I would still prefer to not play Michael Gallup going forward just because he is such a boom bust. And even though it's a pass funneling matchup against Tennessee, we're still going to get plenty of rushing volume from the Cowboys because they just like to run the ball. And I'm not sure that the Titans are good enough to put up a fight in that game. Yeah, even if the Cowboys aren't successful running it, they're they're better when they're balanced. So they're they're going to continue to try to do that. But like like you said, Gallup's kind of been MIA for a while now. I mean, he's kind of the, been the, the odd man out. Um, the T.Y. Hilton had a big play. He was letting everybody know about it. Uh, I kind of forgot he was on the Cowboys. I'm like, who, who the heck is that? I'm like, oh my god, I forgot it's T.Y. Hilton. He'll tell you when he gets up. That's right. He was letting everybody know. Good for him though. You know, injuries and stuff like that. It's 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 nice when you get to come in and make a play like. 
that. But Pollard, six for 61, looks great in the passing game. Freaking Pollard gets a, a carry, gets him all the way down to the one-yard line. And you always know, you know, I've got so much Pollard, you already know. You get, you know, they always get up, they're fixing their pads. They like, don't look to the sidelines. Don't look at it. He looks over to the sidelines. Oh, he starts jogging off. Like, what if they just don't look? Will Zeke just stay <laughs> over on the sidelines? Like, just go back to the huddle and act like you earned that one-yard touchdown run and go, and, and go get it. <laughs> yeah, I want to see what happens if Tony Pollard tries to, tries to wave Zeke off the field when they're <laughs> doing that. I'm going to guess he's fighting both Zeke and Jerry Jones after the game. Oh, so dumb. Steelers 13, Raiders 10 in a game that nobody deserved to have to watch. Oh. Um, you like a touchdown from George Pickens, but that's on five targets. I'm not going to bet on George Pickens in any game where I know he's getting five targets, and I don't think there's any reason to bet on more than that. The bigger impact from Kenny Pickett returning is Deontay Johnson. Like he got there fine for PPR five catches, 64 yards, but third on the team in targets for this one. And that's been the MO so far for Kenny Pickett versus Mitchell Trubisky. Johnson's been a target hog when Trubisky's on the field. He's been okay in targets when Pickett's the QB. Yeah. I mean, are we, are we going to get it? Are we going to get a season where a guy gets like a hundred and like 50 targets and doesn't score? And I can't even think of like, I don't watch every minute of every Steelers game, obviously, but <laughs> I can't, he's even been close. Like, do they even target him in the end zone? Like I haven't even seen one where he's been tripped up at the one. It's just never, you know, no yards after catch, like no, nothing. Like he's never near the end zone. It's crazy, but yeah, it's going to be tough. I mean, I've had, Deontay Johnson benched for a while now, which is crazy to think about because, I mean, I have some really good receivers on some teams that I have him on, but like he's never even been in my thought process because it's just, they don't score. The offense isn't very good. Here's two teams that are loaded with skill guys. And because the quarterbacks stink they're they can't, they can't get anything going. So, and you know, you mentioned earlier Pickens, you know, if I, any game, I know he's getting five targets. Like that's five targets is like his ceiling in this, in this offense. Like he, you know, he rarely gets targets, um, but he, you know, he's really, really good. So he scores and uh, he ends, ends up getting there for the people that had to start him. Yeah. And one of the big problems you mentioned, Deontay Johnson, not getting close. The team's not getting close very much. 29th and scoring right now, one of the worst teams in the league in yards per play. So it's just not a great situation. And certainly when you're deciding whether to play Johnson, you factor in both ceiling and floor. He's been fine for floor but not like Keenan Allen floor where he's catching nine or 10 passes every game. Yeah. Certainly, especially with Kenny Pickett in there, we did get Pat Fryermuth back to life, seven catches, 66 yards in this one. So that's nice to see. They have, I'm trying to find it on my sheet, Baltimore. So Baltimore has been more of a pass funneling matchup lately, been very tough on the run. That should be a pretty good spot for Pat Fryermuth, a decent spot for Deontay Johnson. You know, again, there's going to be, the receiving volume issue. Najee Harris scored in the first matchup of Baltimore, but didn't do much yardage wise did well receiving uh, Saturday night, nine targets led the team, six catches, 42 yards. So, I mean, if we can count on that kind of receiving usage, it's going to be easier to start Najee Harris. We haven't gotten that consistently from him though. Right. Exactly. And uh, yeah, I mean, 16 carries is fine. You know, if you listen, if you know, he's going to get 16 carries and nine targets every week, you're super excited, but yeah, that's, that's not doable every, every week from, especially from the, from, from a target perspective, nine, nine's a ton. And I know it was cold, but the Raiders just look more likely to choke versus expectation than exceed expectation in any given game. Yeah, they they Derek Carr stick. Derek Carr is going to be my new because he's probably not going anywhere. But Zach, I'm not going to get to say this a lot about Zach Wilson and anymore because he's probably not never going to play again. But Derek Carr stinks. Like, I mean, what else do you want? Literally, you couldn't ask 
for anything more. You have a stud to tight end and what you got a stud slot guy. You have Devante Adams. You have a, a do it all running back. They just stink. Devante Adams, it's nine targets. You know, some of them aren't even, aren't even catchable. Like they just can't figure it out. You know, I mean, it's just an absolute disaster down on the stretch here with these, uh, with these Raiders skill guys. And I don't blame McDaniel because McDaniel doesn't know what life's like without Tom Brady. So, I mean, you can't, I mean, welcome, welcome to the world, man. No, he does. Life sucks without Tom Brady. Remember it, Denver, Denver and the Rams for him. He gets fired. You get fired for that. (laughs) And the Raiders now have San Francisco, arguably the league's best defense in week 17. I'm not even sure it's arguable at this point. So we're going to have to downgrade everybody for that matchup. Doesn't mean they're all going to be out of starter range. Of course, obviously we've got Devontae Adams, Josh Jacobs in nearly all fantasy lineups, but you know, it's the kind of matchup where you're like, crap. These guys have gotten me here, and I just can't expect big numbers from them. Yeah, and this was what we were saying, you know, three weeks ago when he had that blow up game to get everybody into their playoffs. Yeah, well, enjoy it because you look ahead to the schedule, and the schedule is brutal. And I got championship week against the, against the Niners. It's like, you know, I hate to say you're not going to bench him. Like I would, I would be okay with benching him against the Niners after watching the the, the display that they've put on the last couple of weeks. The thing is, Jacobs could get like seven catches, which is why you probably aren't going to bench him. (laughs) Yeah, you have to be pretty strong at running back to actually consider benching Josh Jacobs. But we'll get more into that as we move through week 17. On to the Sunday action. We had Packers, Dolphins to start things out. And Tua finished with 310 yards, but it might have been the worst 310 yards I've ever personally watched. He had an 84-yard Jalen Waddell catch and run touchdown, 52-yard completion to Tyreek Hill. Through nine games this season, Tua Tonga-Vailoa had a 115.7 passer rating. That was a stretch that ended with the Week 12 game against Houston. 9.0 yards per attempt over that stretch. Over the past four games, he's down to 80.5 passer rating, and that's with yesterday's numbers helping that. Still 8.5 yards per attempt, even over that down span, despite completing only 52.6% of his passes. That particular number, I think, points to Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill completely saving Tua's passing numbers over the 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 past four games. Oh yeah, I've been saving his passing numbers all, all season. I mean, Tua just drops back, shot puts it left handed into an open area, and the guys when when they when when they go get it, they 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 score. You know, the Chargers a month ago showed how to play defense against against this team uh, when they sh- when they shut the Dolphins down. And then ever since then, the Dolphins have lost four games in a row. They're not even going to make the playoffs at this at the, this rate. You know, it, it's it's been it's been awesome to watch as a, as a Buffalo Bills. And talk about a roller coaster of, of, of emotion. Like you know, if you had if you had Waddle early, I mean Waddle still had an incredible game. But you're like, man, if I get an eighty yard, eighty four yard touchdown on the second drive of the game, you know, I'm expecting you know this this game could be all time. And to just like like you said, Tua just was nothing. The rest, of the rest of the game, he had like 200 at halftime. Um, throws three picks in the second half. Bad picks too. Like yeah. he's dropping back, and teams are just dropping back into coverage, and he's just throwing, you know, grapefruits right to him. And it's just, it's, uh, it's, it's. You know, at least say so they got there for fantasy wise, but it's going to be tough sledding going going here in the, the next couple of weeks for, for the Dolphins. Teams are onto what they're, what they're doing. They are at New England week 17, so it's probably going to be a cold game. That's not great. Tua was fine in the cold at Buffalo uh, two weeks ago, though, and it is at least a matchup that has been tougher on the run, so we should get plenty of passing volume in that one. So you're not worried too much about the wideouts, but it would be nice if the QB was playing better. In the backfield, Jeff Wilson Jr. returned from his hip injury, played four more snaps than Raheem Mostert. They basically split everything completely even. Mostert 
eight carries, 45 yards, two catches among three targets. Jeff Wilson, nine carries for 37 yards. He got the one yard touchdown. He had one catch on two targets. You know, split backfield makes them both difficult to use. Next week's matchup, like I said, tough on running back scoring. So I would expect that both of these guys will be outside our top 24 for week 17. Yeah, whenever they both start, it's tough to get excited about them. Um, yeah, Jeff Wilson, I, I want to say he kind of steals the touchdown, but like you said, they were split 50-50 this, this game. So it was it was, it was was as much his as it was Raheem Mostert's. But I think Mostert looks better. I think Mostert's looked good all year with them. So if you can get one running back in this backfield, it's something to get, get excited about. But whenever you get Mostert and Wilson, you kind of got to hope for that for that touchdown because they don't, they don't really pass it a lot to, to, to the backs. I mean, they did have, they did have five – five targets, but there wasn't much there, you know? So um, I think they're, they're, they're better getting those receivers in space. So, and of course, yeah, why would you throw it to those guys? You know, Jalen Waddle and Terry. hundred percent. hundred percent. I would throw every, I would, yeah. Every play would be to Waddle and Hill for, for sure. Yeah. So it, it's nice that there's a negative matchup next week to even further motivate you to not play them. I thought this might be a game where both of those guys got into double digit touches and got there, but it just didn't happen. Aaron Rodgers on the other side continues to display absolutely no fantasy ceiling this year. And I'm not, I always, whenever I say that, I'm not sure that's the right terminology because I guess no ceiling means your scoring could keep going up. And <laughs> but this ceiling on the other hand is right down here where he has to duck to walk through like, his ceiling is like in that room at the beginning of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory yes. where everything is getting smaller as you get yep. to the other end. It's all an optical illusion. Hall of Famer, optical illusion. <laughs> yeah, no, and then he loses. Christian Watson was having a decent game. Christian Watson you know, make, makes a catch out in the flats with the end zone right in front of him, falls over, uh, could have had that, but then he ends up getting hurt and going out. Uh, Lazard gets 11 targets, only five for 61. He, was, he also had a drop, big drop over the middle. Um, with, with, with some room to run after that. So, you know, there was, there was a quite a bit of drops in this game. The Packers, I think are top five in the NFL in drops this year anyways, but Rogers isn't really getting helped, helped out there. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> the only one this game was Tua gave it to him. I mean, all these inter- interceptions, I mean, the offense didn't do much of anything. There was nothing to get excited about. Yep. Christian Watson did leave with that hip injury. He said afterward, quote, I'll be all right. I'm going to guess that doctors will have something to say about that this week. So we'll have to watch his status. Like he said, he was he was on his way to a good game, at least and maybe a really good game. Eight targets by halftime in that one. A.J. Dillon out carried Aaron Jones, matched his receiving output. So I think that puts both of them in play for week 17. Minnesota is who they're playing next week. Been much weaker in pass defense than the run for other teams that might be a time to say, okay, maybe they lean past in this game. That's just not the Packers at this point. They don't have that passing lean as an option in their arsenal. So I think both running backs will be in play. I don't think that it's going to be a ceiling projection for Aaron Rodgers because, like I said, the ceiling just isn't very high on him at this point. Yeah, yeah. You're not you're not looking to start start Rodgers generally ever. Uh, and then with, like you said, if Watson doesn't play, good luck. Rams 51 Broncos 14. I mean, seriously, this, this is like, this game is a resignation letter for Nathaniel Hackett. The guy, I I know we're talking about a person here and I don't mean to take it too lightly, but clearly (laughs) this has not worked. He should absolutely be fired this week. uh, If not before now, fantasy wise, Cam Akers, 23 carries 118 yards, three touchdowns. Now, Obviously a complete outlier performance for him. Look at everything else this year. He beat his rushing yardage high by more than 50 yards in this game. That said, he got 23 carries. They get the Chargers in week 17. Like, I don't know. 
I'm not even sure how recently I would have not really considered Cam Akers an option for my Week 17 lineup. After what happened yesterday and looking at that Chargers matchup, Cam Akers might be a top 24 running back in the Week 17 rankings. You know, Mike Schoep always says this about about the the Denver Broncos. He just wants to sue the Denver Broncos. I want to sue the Denver. This made no sense. Cam Akers comes out. I mean, this de- this was a defense people were targeting on, on waivers. The Broncos against the Rams. Like, yeah, we're gonna, and they end up crushing people's hope, hopes and dreams. How does Cam Akers go for thirty five fantasy points against against the Denver Broncos defense with Baker Mayfield at quarterback? Like the Broncos defense, we're not even talking about Russell Wilson. Uh, the defense just like Baker Mayfield's gonna play in the NFL again because of the Broncos defense. <laughs> like it doesn't even it doesn't even make 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 any sense. Yeah, you should not be this was not a good matchup for Cam Akers. Somehow he has a you know a career day. Uh I still would not be looking forward to starting Cam Akers because you know the Rams old line still stinks. Like again, the weapons are not there, so I wouldn't be too excited about starting Cam Akers next week. I don't know where they're gonna end up in the Drift Sharks projections, but then you got another, you know, Tyler Higby week, right? I mean, this is reminiscent of, hey, when they want to use him, he's unstoppable. Reminiscent of like three years ago when he won all these people, all this money, you know, nine for 94 and two. And it was kind of a disappointing, he had, you know, two at at halftime, two touchdowns at halftime. And he, I think he had eight for 80 or something, and they didn't really use him in this this second half. But, you know, shout out to John Scuderi and the Draft Sharks Invitational uh, was trailing Mike. Shope and he had Tyler Higby and I think he might have had Jerry Judy too. And just no, Higby comes alive at just the right time. So disheartening uh for the for the deep end. But uh but we'll see how the other scores end up coming out. But yeah, nine for ninety-four and two. Like use the guy more. He's just it's just a it's what fantasy football has is become is just what does the coach feel like doing? And it's like it's our job to just figure out like not what they should do, but what they're what they're what they're going to do. And you know they should have been doing this with Higby for. I mean, it's been Cooper Cup the last you know year and a half where they hey we're going to throw every every pass to Cooper Cup, but when they decide to throw every pass to Tyler Higby, he, he's fine too. Denver has been a tight end favoring matchup because they're pretty strong at cornerback. And at this point, not very strong at anything else on defense. Justin Simmons, still a good safety, but just overall, it it has been a matchup that favors tight ends. Rams tight ends, um, both Higby and Bryson Hopkins combined for 50% of the catches in this one, 65.7% of the team's yards. Chargers have been a negative scoring matchup. That's who they get next, as I mentioned, Cam Akers. So Tyler Higby is going to be usable, but don't get excited and expect a big game for him. And the Chargers also get Derwin James back for tonight's game against the Colts, which is only going to make that matchup a little bit more difficult. You mentioned Jerry Judy in passing six catches, 117 on 10 targets in this one, despite the return of Cortland Sutton. Sutton, five catches for 64 on seven targets. Greg Dulcich got the only touchdown for the Broncos in this one. Russell Wilson, 214 passing, one touchdown, three picks. Watch Brett Rippon close it out for the final two drives. And he probably only got two drives because he turned the first of those into a pick six for the Rams. So I, I, you know, I think right now there's some talk of, Hey, does Russell Wilson even start week 17? I mean, why would you not have Russell Wilson start week 17? You're already paying him a ridiculous amount of money for a season that's lost. And Brett Rippon is not better. Yeah. They're just, it's so, it's so sad sad to see this up because again, there's another team loaded with skill guys and incompetent quarterback play and they just can't now judy ends up getting there because judy's a really good player 
you know, we were, I was saying that we were saying this going into the year, at least I was with Judy versus Sutton. I was always Judy, especially at the two round, didn't, you know, the two round discount. Um, I think every time that's obviously not every time, but most of the time when that Judy and Sutton line up together, Judy outperforms him statistically. I think there was a time like last year when Judy or maybe it's two year when Sutton was invisible when Judy was on, on, on the field. So unfortunately Judy doesn't have, you know, mega star potential with these quarterbacks, but, but he's just so good. He, he almost had a touchdown toe tap couldn't get in towards the end of the game there too, but ends up still ends up getting there six for 117. It was just nice to see. It would be nice to see them get some competent quarterback play. I would say too, the broader takeaway from Judy versus Sutton is when you have two guys in a situation where you can't say definitely this guy is the dominant one and this guy is a clear number two and one is going multiple rounds behind the other one. And it, it Judy moved up, so it might not have been multiple rounds by the time a lot of people were drafting. But if you got a situation like that, one guy is significantly behind the other in drafting take the lower cost one almost every time. Philly is another good example. Devontae Smith was rounds and rounds behind A.J. Brown, and we all expected A.J. Brown to lead the two of them in numbers, but it was like, both of these guys are good. I can't say for sure that A.J. Brown's going to be the dominant one, so I didn't take a whole lot of Devontae Smith just because, I guess, who was going around him, and I wasn't sure about the passing volume, but certainly between them, Devontae Smith has been the much better value at their relative draft positions this season. Yeah, I'm surprised you didn't use the uh, Lockett versus Metcalf one because I know, or are you just sick of sick of talking about? Well, they were going pretty close together. Well, I, I mean, I, Lockett's just the guy. That's always the guy. You should always take Tyler Lockett. Yeah, that's true. I think there was probably about four rounds difference between between the two of them. But, uh, but yeah, those those are really good examples. That's true. I forgot how big the gap was at one point because it all it got all wonky after they traded Russell Wilson away too. So that was a crazy situation. Anyway, getting back to the Broncos for week 17, they get Kansas City. Of course, they had that game, the first meeting where Kansas City jumped way ahead. Denver came storming back and made a game of it. I think Jerry, Judy, Greg Dulcich both look like fine plays in this one. I think Portland Sutton probably lands somewhere in the wide receiver, like 35 to 45 range of the rankings. Yeah, no, exactly. And, and, and again, it's a, it's a game where, you know, Denver could be down big. Now, listen, if Tyler Higby can go for nine for 94 and two against the Broncos, what's Travis Kelsey going to do? I'm ex- Travis, if you're listening, I'm expecting big all time, great numbers from you. It very well could be <laughs> Buccaneers 19 Cardinals 16 and overtime. Cause when you watch the Buccaneers against trace McSorley, all you think is please don't let this game end. I need extra time for this one. The bucks need to start Adam. You know how you like set the clock ahead either to fool yourself into thinking you have less time to get ready or to fool your kids into thinking that they got to get a move on. <laughs> so you set the clock ahead of where it really is. They think they're almost out of time. That's what the bucks need to do to Tom Brady. Cause he absolutely sucks right now for like 55 minutes of the game. And then he's like, Oh crap, we're about to lose to a garbage team. I guess we better score some points real quick. And then all of a sudden it's like, Oh yeah, Tom Brady still exists. Yes, but he's also lucky enough where this defense keeps him in these games where he can just do nothing. Three and out, three and out, three and out, three and out. Like, it's, I've just never seen anything like it. It's just this offense is everything's so hard. The only, the easy thing in the offense is drop back and throw it to Leonard, Leonard Fournette for, for four <laughs> yards. Like, that's that's the easiest thing that, that they have going. And at least Tom Brady's doing that. So if you got Leonard Fournette, you're you're ecstatic. But, you know, with all the weapons that they, that they have, got, you know, Godwin and Evans and, 
you know, Russell Gage looks looks healthy, although he looked healthy now he's hurt. <laughs> yeah. But but you know, all these weapons that, that they have, they just it, everything looks so difficult. He tried to hit Evans on a post corner. You know, Brady gets hit as he's throwing and gets intercepted. You know, you see, you know, Brady finally letting his offensive line have it on the sidelines because it's like you know, no time, no no time to throw. You know. They can't even throw three yard out routes. I've, all the defense, all the little line of scrimmage, just nothing works for them. And so, you know, they're probably going to make the playoffs, and they're probably going to have a home home, home game. <laughs> so they, they they have that going for them. But but yeah, other than that, like you're not excited. Like I had Godwin go, going last night; he kind of got there for me. Um, but you're just not excited to start any of these guys, even though you, they have you know they technically have you know explosive potential. Uh, Leonard Fournette, I think, is the big takeaway. He dominated backfield work last night. 20 more snaps than Rashad White. 20 to 7 lead in carries. 10 to 4 lead in targets. You don't even need to be efficient at that point if you're getting that kind of work. They get Carolina in Week 17. Not really an altering matchup for anybody here. You're playing Leonard Fournette. Rashad White's going to be more difficult to play after the way that game went. They said the game before that like after Rashad White Got less work than Leonard Fournette in that one. Todd Bowles said it wasn't by design. I, when that when this happens, it looks like it's more by design. So I think at least the positive here is if you've been having trouble deciding between Leonard Fournette and Rashad White, it's definitely Leonard Fournette for Week 17. Yeah, yeah, and I mean uh, it's interesting because Rashad White started the game. I think he had the first he had, he t- t- took the first drive and looked looked good with it. But again, it's 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 all about I think. Brady likes Fournette more in the, in the passing game, although Rashad White did finish still with four catches, but I think he likes Fournette more in the, the passing game when they're going up tempo, and that's where he gets that's where Fournette's gonna get all those targets. It's funny, and I'm, I'm sure you know I can understand it because Fournette's been around and Rashad White's a rookie, but it's funny to just look at the two prospects here and be like, no, guys, if we're gonna be throwing the ball a lot, I want the old dumpy one. Now you could take the young thoroughbred and put him on the sideline. That's right. <laughs> Cardinals, by the way, I had to start Trace McSorley. He threw 45 passes for some reason in this game, 4.8 yards per, yards per attempt, one interception, lost two fumbles. You know, it, we weren't expecting a whole lot from Trace McSorley, so at least we got a close game, but we did get multiple turnovers. James Conner got there, helping himself with a 22-yard touchdown run, seven catches for 41 yards on eight targets, second on the team in both catches and yards, third in targets. So a nice game for James Conner. Greg Dortch led this team in targets and catches and yards, caught 10 for 98. The the slot spot has been a a boom volume position for the Cardinals all year. It's silly when Greg Dortch has more targets than DeAndre Hopkins and Marquise Brown, but, I mean, we've at least seen that coming to some degree. Listen, when when, when Trace McSorley's old and he's talking to his his grandkids, his grandkids are like, Grandpa, how good were you when you played in the NFL? He's gonna tell him, guys, I was so good that I threw the ball to DeAndre Hopkins ten times and he caught it once. <laughs> that's how that's how good of a quarterback I am. Like you could like uncatchable passes all over the place. Now again, it's Trace McSorley. What 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 did we expect? Great for J- James Conner, right? Check check down machine. Eight catch, eight eight targets, seven for for forty one, and he does snap off that 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 long t- touchdown run there, which was awesome, awesome to see. So, Connor has been um has been great, kind of down the stretch here, comes back, looks good, but the passing game, I mean, is just 
dead with Trace McSorley at quarterback uh, unless you started Greg Dortch, and I don't think anyone started Greg Dortch. It just makes me mad that they gave him 45 pass attempts because I was betting the – I did bet the under 192.5 yards for McSorley. That seemed like an easy one, but if you're going to throw 45 passes, then it's a whole lot easier That's to reach right. 200 yards. Colt McCoy should be in line for a week 17 return against Atlanta. He's got a concussion return for a limited practice Friday. If Colt McCoy is healthy, he's going to be the starter over McSorley. And that would certainly be better for everybody in the passing game. Yeah. A little bit better. I mean, again, he still doesn't have the arm strength to really push it downfield, but mm-hmm. that really wasn't their offense. Anyways, their offense is more built on like timing routes and stuff like that. But yeah, Hopkins just, a just, so disappointing for, for him. I mean, you expected not great, but 10 targets, woo, one for four, brutal. Yeah, I was pushing for them to be as low as possible in the rankings, certainly trying not to use those Cardinals receivers for that one. We'll see about the situation. At least they get an upside matchup with Atlanta to close things out. And speaking of closing things out, Adam, before we close out, let's talk quickly about the Monday night game. And if anybody doesn't have a sweat or wants to you know, counter that, we've got Chargers and Colts. Plenty of options on the underdog pick a market or in sleeper over unders. For me, <clears throat> the Justin Herbert line, 280 and a half passing yards, that over seems pretty comfy. He's been over 310 yards in three straight weeks and thrown 42 plus passes in four straight games. So what about you? What do you think of Herbert and what else do you like from this game? Yeah, I, I like Herbert a lot. I mean, when all his weapons are healthy, right, he, he has a chance to absolutely explode. I like the Deion Jackson higher than nine and a half receiving yards. Like I think if this game gets out of hand, they're going to have to pass the ball. And I think Deion Jackson is their pass catching back. So, I mean, that could be one catch uh, for nine and a half receiving yards. So I do like, I do like that. Um, and, and listen, we talked about it last week and, you know, I think I had the, the, the Niners kicker. I think that's who I paid was nine. Was it Niners Rams last, last Monday? I don't, I don't remember. I think it's Packers Rams. Packers Rams. That's right. That's right. I had the Packers kicker over a field goal and a half. He gets a field goal in the first five minutes and then <laughs> they don't get another one the rest of the game. But I'm going Cameron Dicker, the kicker, whatever they call it, the kicker Dicker uh, over a field goal and a half made and Deion Jackson, because you got to pick one on each side. Mm-hmm. Uh, Deion Jackson, I like for nine and a half receiving yards. Yeah, whether you're playing on underdog or sleeper, you got to pick one from each side. I'm kind of liking the under 71 and a half total yards for Zach Moss just because we have an uncertain backfield. We're probably all three of these guys mentioned Deion Jackson. Jordan Wilkins was activated from the practice squad as well. All three guys will probably be involved. So just kind of betting low on Zach Moss, who's not that good anyway. Right. Uh, seems like a good one. If you are already on underdog or sleeper, you can enter promo code draft sharks and get your deposit matched. If you're new to either one, Hit the link below, uh, go to either site. You'll get a 100% match up to 100 bucks. Get some free money to play with. You can enter those tonight. After tonight, we've got Deep End on Tuesday night. What can people expect from that? Yeah, so we'll probably go over some um, some lineup stuff for, for this week. I know it's the the championship week for 99% of the league, so we'll probably talk about setting lineups there. And um, the Draft Shark Invitational is coming to a close this week, too. And I know Mike... Uh, was number one heading into that, so we'll talk, probably talk about some some of those players and some underdog playoff drafts that we've been we, we've been doing. That's going to do it for this week 16 recap edition. Hope you folks have lots of teams moving on to the championships. We will be jumping into the week 17 projections and content, of course, going forward. So look for all the things that you do every week on DraftSharks.com. Become a DS Insider if you haven't already. You can get even more info, including the team intel pages that give you specific lineup recommendations for every team that you have entered. For Adam Krautwurst and the entire DraftSharks crew, 
I'm Matt Shafstein. Thanks so much for swimming with us.